Hi, and welcome to the Fox Family Law Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Hayes, a partner at the Fox Dallas office. And we are here for series two of our podcast, talking today about mediation and collaborative law with my associates, Jamie Lee Denton and Aaron Garza. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Jamie Lee and I are very excited to talk to you today about mediation and collaborative law. And it's our hope that by the end of today's podcast, you have a good understanding of what mediation is, what collaborative law is, maybe some advantages or disadvantages of each approach, and how one or the other might work better for your specific case. Yeah, this is Jamie Lee. Thank you all for joining us. Um, Erin, I guess we'll just jump into the first topic you mentioned, what is mediation? So mediation is a confidential formal settlement process that uses a neutral third party to help assist uh, couples with reaching an agreement. So an easy example um, trying to decide the mediation process is a parent mediating a disagreement between siblings. So if you picture one sibling in one room and then the other sibling in the other room and the parent being a neutral third party going back and forth between the rooms, not telling the other exactly what was said, but trying to reach a settlement. That's kind of how you can picture mediation. I really like that example because it puts it in context for those who might be listening to the podcast who don't have any familiarity with the legal process and haven't been through mediation before. And if that's you, you might be asking yourself, well, what, what do you do at mediation? What kind of disputes do you talk about? And it can essentially be anything, um, specifically in regards to divorce or issues with children. We mediate cases where the two parties are discussing how the assets of the marital estate are going to be distributed. Who's going to pay for what when the divorce is finalized? Health insurance. It's as simple. Jamie Lee and I joke about this all the time. Who's going to get the dog? Um, so there's a broad range of issues that you can talk about at mediation and come to an agreement. And I guess the main um, question some people are going to be having is how do you get to mediation? You know, we talk about it and what goes on, but how do you even get a mediation scheduled? And I guess the main thing we would say is it would be wise to hire an attorney. Um, while you could do it by yourself, hiring an attorney, um, you know, kind of gives you a roadmap and a guideline and someone to walk through this process with you. Um, an attorney could help you get temporary orders in place. So before the mediator is able to hear your case and, um, you know, help resolve this, you may have certain things like wanting to see your kid on a certain day or wanting to change um, agreements that are in place. And the temporary orders can, um, can help out with that. And then another thing that was talked about in the previous podcast a little bit was making sure necessary documents are in order. Um, a really important thing is your financial information, property information, bank statements, home appraisal documents. So all of the stuff that take for granted, you know, you get so busy and on a day-to-day basis, you don't think about this becomes really important and you don't want to be scrambling uh, later on in mediation. Glad you mentioned that. Um, once you hire an attorney, if you choose to hire an attorney, they're really going to help lay out that roadmap like Jamie Lee discussed and help you get all of your ducks in a row, <laughs> if you want to put it that way. But another thing that we really enjoy helping our clients with is setting goals for the mediation, helping them identify specifically what's important to them, what their desired outcome would be. And 
something that I've always kind of carried with me since law school is the pebbles, rocks, boulders analogy. Um, pebbles, of course, being the things that you can shift around a little bit easier. They're important, but if you had to give up a little on it, you could. Rocks being those things that are a little bit more important. You don't want to be quite as flexible. And then boulders, of course, being, you know, the really heavy things that you just want them to stay as they are. You're not going to negotiate as much on those. Um, and we found that that analogy is great in life, but also in the context of divorce and family law issues. If you're trying to decide who gets the house, who gets the car, what your co-parenting agreement needs to look like, kind of trying to identify what are your pebbles, what are your rocks, what are your boulders going into mediation, ensures that the process will be productive and efficient once you get there. Another important thing that Jamie Lee can help me kind of provide more explanation on this is choosing a mediator. We know that that's really important and it varies from case to case. One mediator may fit one case very well, but they may not be a good fit for another couple going through divorce. So what are some things that you would tell clients to look for when choosing a mediator? I would say, um, well, one, your family law attorney will have way more experience with what specific mediators specialize in. Like we see um, some mediators are really good with child custody cases and cases involving different um, child arrangements. And then some are very good with the financial aspect. Like you have a multi-million dollar estate and you're trying to divide the property and someone's just better with numbers and better with different solutions for the stocks and the bonds and all of that. So I would say it's just is really case specific and um, your attorney will look and see what you what you're fighting over, and um, yeah, the, know the best person to take that fight in front of. Um, I would also say one thing before mediation is to be able be able to come to the table ready to negotiate. It's one you're going to know that you're not going to get everything you want, as you were saying. The pebbles you can't have every single pebble, or that's not negotiating. That's that's called winning, and in a divorce, that's that's hard to do completely. Um, so I would say that's one of the main things, and me to be able to have an open mind and be able to allow yourself and your attorney and the mediator to think of creative solutions to your issues in your case. I always thought about what one law professor told me that was both people should leave the mediation equally uncomfortable. And that really stuck with me because you're not going to leave equally comfortable. You're not, you're going to start thinking, well, we could have done this or that. But if you're both equally uncomfortable, I think it was a successful mediation. I would agree. And it's good to know that even if you're going to come out of mediation a little bit uncomfortable, you're not alone in the process. You're going to have your attorneys guiding you through. You're going to have the impartial third party, that being the mediator, really having your children's best interest at heart having your goals at heart and really working to find a way to come to a resolution for everyone. So we want to discuss some of the advantages of mediation. Certainly that impartial third-party view, having someone who is removed from the situation enough to see both sides of things. Sometimes that's all you need to be able to get an issue resolved um, is to have a neutral third-party come and take a different perspective that maybe you weren't seeing or maybe your soon-to-be ex-spouse was not seeing. And we've also seen some advantages just being the time and expense saved by going to mediation. Yeah, definitely. So if you're just going to fight it out and not mediate until way later in the case, um, 
then each time your attorney needs to file something, they're going to you're going to incur expenses and there's going to be court costs and there's just a lot of time involved in that. But if you do take your case to mediation, it does cut time and expenses. Another thing is that you retain more control over your outcome and your future living situation, you know? So if, if you put your whole case in front of a judge or a jury, at the end of the day, there is going to be a decision and you're going to lose the say of it as soon as it goes up to the judge or jury. But in a mediation until the very end, until you sign, nothing's happening. So the control's really in your pen or your hand. <laughs> in your pen. In your pen. Sure, yeah. I think that's something that a lot of clients really enjoy too, is having control. No one knows your family like you know them. No one knows yourself like you know you. So having the ability to take that through to the end is really important. But we've also seen that mediation is like likely to be successful um, in certain cases, maybe where the issues are very direct or we have these pointed issues. And so, you know, when have you seen mediation be successful, Jimmy Lee? Definitely, like you were saying, the pointed issues, um, when both parties go in knowing their negotiable issues versus the ones that they're not going to budge on. I would also say when parties are being risk adverse, um, when parties do want to retain that control and when they have a little bit of healthy fear of what a judge or a jury might do. And I guess the last one is they're ready for a solution, which I feel like I've seen quite a few times is that they say, I don't want to leave this table and, and not have anything resolved. Erin, uh, I think we've seen that a lot with COVID because the courts are pushing back trials, especially at the beginning of COVID. And people don't know when they're going to get in front of a judge or a jury. So the mediation, while we can do it virtually, it just seemed like a great, uh, a great option. That's true. And even though we have the vaccines coming out now, we still don't know when everything's going to return completely to normal. And there's still some fear of not being able to get in a courtroom, especially depending on the county that you're in and how backlogged the cases are. So mediation is a great solution, especially, you know, I think we seem to think of divorce sometimes as it always has to be a fight. Everyone is wanting to go for the other person's neck. But we've seen clients come in who have, Someone have a good relationship still with their soon-to-be ex, and both of them just want to find a solution to some very defined issues, child custody, session, that kind of thing. We've also seen cases that parties come in hating each other, and somehow, despite not being too hopeful that it would settle that day or that time, it does. And I don't think you can you can take it for granted that the skilled mediator, the skilled attorneys, and parties ready to be done with each other aren't going to settle because it does happen, you know? So I think no matter which situation it is, there's a chance that your case is going to be resolved, even if you don't want your spouse to get anything, you know? I would agree. We've talked a lot about mediation, and I think that certainly this is one of the tools that we see most often when people are trying to come to an agreement without having to go to a full, full out drag out trial. Um, but there's other options available, collaborative law, and this process is similar to mediation in the aspect of you're focusing more on the negotiation than on a trial, and it starts by hiring an attorney, making sure that the other party more often than not is represented by an attorney, and then essentially having a series of conferences together where 
everyone at the table is working to find solutions to the party's issues. Yeah, I think a really good part of a collaborative divorce process is that it does keep the case out of the courtroom and it keeps it private. So there are safeguards for family law cases, you know, at the top of documents, we can put notice this information is confidential, but at the end of the day, it's still many hands and there's still more confidentiality that can be, um, you know, that can be in a collaborative law process rather than any case that's in court. So I think that's a big deal. And it also lets the spouses formulate agreements about the most important goals and individual needs. So they, they also are more of a discussion and more of a process rather than arguing the whole time, you know? Right. And the way I like to think of it too is some clients are opposed to mediation because they come in with the mindset of my ex-spouse and I are never going to be able to come to a resolution on all of the issues we need to discuss in half a day or a day. Um, in collaborative law, that gives you a series of conferences that you can have with your state-of-the-art spouse and your attorney to fine-tune these issues, to find solutions, um, without the fear that I only have four hours to get this done, eight hours to get this done. You have more time, and so it can be a little bit of a stress relief in that respect. I do think one of the main disadvantages of the collaborative law process is that if you don't settle and that you don't resolve the case and you want to go into litigation, that you'll have to hire a new attorney, which I think people really need to be aware of. And like we were talking the other day, it's hard to, to have change when you put your trust and your faith in someone and they know your case and they know you. And it was kind of like, you know, I don't want to hire a new hairdresser because they know my hair better than anyone or a new banker because they know my assets and they know everything. So I think that's something people really need to consider that, yes, you, it could all work out, but if it doesn't, that there's a main takeaway there. We've seen this process be successful and work out in some types of cases more than others. Um, some things that we find to be really good going into a collaborative law process is when the parties have trust between the two of them. They're very forthcoming with their financial information, with information regarding their property, and having that transparency is really required necessary if you're looking at the collaborative force. Yeah, you pretty much are giving up front all of your, all of your, I would say the golden tickets that could win your case in trial. You know, it's like, here's this, we're going to lay it all on the line. We're being very open and that's not typical in litigation. You know, that's not typical in normal family law cases. So this is a different type of case. And usually it's discovery and processes to try to track down what your spouse is hiding. Whereas this is, like you said, you have to be trusting and feel that your, your spouse, soon to be ex-spouse, is turning over all of their information too. Exactly. You need trust with your soon-to-be ex. You need to know that they're not um, having a secret vendetta that you don't know about. But the two of you together also probably need to be at least somewhat on the same page when it comes to willingness to negotiate. We've seen the same thing with mediation. You can't come to the table for every settlement conference and not want to budge or have a, I'm going to take it all approach because more likely than not, you're going to find yourself in litigation and 
this process may not be the process for you. Um, but if both parties come to the table willing to negotiate and work cooperatively, we've seen collaborative law be a great way to resolve disputes. I think one of the ways that we have seen collaborative law not be able to work out is when there's abuse in the relationship, Aaron, when there's mental, emotional, or physical abuse. And that's just, I guess that goes back to the trust factor. If you, if someone's able to do that to you, then what else can they do to harm you? So I'm not sure we would look at those for collaborative law process as much. Right. There are definitely situations where this approach probably isn't ideal, situations involving abuse, domestic, um, also really any situation in which there's any inkling that they're, you're opposing party or that other spouse may not be fully transparent with you. If you have any fear that they're having assets, that they're not going to be forthcoming with their financials, that might be a situation where discovery is better suited and we might actually advise you to go forward with litigation. So, We've talked a lot about some options that are available to you if you're able to go the mediation route or the collaborative law process anyway. Um, hopefully we've provided you with a good overview of what each of those are. Jamie, like, tell me just for fun, what are some, we're looking for comic relief here, what are some movies or TV shows that you think people should watch if they're curious about family law? I would say The Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce is a pretty fun one. Um, it's about the this lady who ends up trying to get a divorce and live the single life in L.A. in her 40s. And it's comic relief for sure. I think it has quite a few seasons. I can't remember my favorite episodes. I watched it a while back, but y'all should definitely check that out. And thanks for tuning in today. We'll have some other podcasts that'll lead you on to some different family law topics. All right. Thank you, Jamie Lee and Erin. It was very helpful to learn about mediation and collaborative law today. And we'll look forward to next up in our series talking about premarital and postmarital defense. Thank you.